You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, it's Carl Stebbings and Simon Woolthorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 40 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in Simon's kitchen studio for a change is Simon Woolthorton. Hello, Simon. Hello, Carlos. The Wanderer returns. Yes, it's good to be back, <laughs> as always. It's good to be back. Um, the weather's turned a bit cooler now. Um, there is uh, signs of snow on the horizon, but uh, um, there's been a lot of uh, talk about that at the moment. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see um, this weekend. Uh, but it has, has turned cold, and the temperature today has been about uh, 4.5. Um, so we are um, heading to the right temperature region for that. Anyway, um, how's things with you? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. We've uh, we've we've missed you. We've had uh, Matt Smith has been on the yes, show, yeah, and uh, he's joined us and he's done a couple of episodes um, whilst you've been busy. Yes. you've been resting. You've had a well a well earned rest. Haven't yes, you? yeah, I've been uh, resting uh, a little bit. Um, I think you were so excited after the uh, the air show season and stuff. Yes, you, you, need, you yes. needed a rest. Yes, I did. Um, I was talking to you a little while ago before we came on air. Um, I've actually managed to get hold of... Um, oh, yeah. God, he's been so excited. Excited uh, isn't the word. Um, a 50th anniversary signed squadron print for the Reds display season. Um, it's signed by all nine pilots, including Red 10 and Red 11. How did you manage to get that? Uh, well, I had um, been bidding for three or four in the past few months on eBay. Um, and I've lucky to have uh, got one. Uh, the other ones I get outbid every time, which is not unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one, uh, I got a good price. Uh, well happy. And if he's, uh, the guy who actually sent them to me works at um, Aria Valley. Oh. So he sent me a few other things and he services the uh, Hawks. So I was well pleased with that. And um, thanks very much for that. Um, I picked up at the post office because I was out today when it came. Um, but they are like gold dust at the moment and they will be and they will be a sort of um, worth a few pounds in the future. You'll have to take a picture of yourself holding that. So yes, we'll we get that framed. On, we can put it on Facebook. Then, yeah, on when I Facebook get page. it framed, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to put the 50th anniversary badge in, mm. uh, t- which is their tail embroidered badge, which we've seen, and also the Eclat badge, and maybe 50 display seasons around it. But I don't want to clutter it up too much, so mm. I'll just have to wait and see on that. And also, I had confirmation today that my Red Arrow's Corgi 50th anniversary red arrow is in the post corgi is that a dog no <laughs> no we're talking uh, model aircraft here ah. um, normally the uh, the normal size um uh sort of models that you can buy a lot of air shows um and there's only a thousand of those so i was lucky to get one of them at the last minute I only ordered that the other day but if you need to get one of those be quick because um the first batch have gone the second batch have nearly gone so um, I'm wow. just waiting for that to come. Um, I'm quite excited as well for that because uh, I do love the Reds. They are my passion, and so is this podcasting uh, thing we do. Oh, good, good, good. So don't forget, um, as we said in our last show, we are we held, we're holding a competition, um, and we're holding it uh, because we're celebrating our first year of yes. programming. And uh, we got we had two questions. We got two questions that we're setting to our listeners to answer. And uh, you can send your answers via our website, or you can uh, send them uh, if you send them to our email address, uh, plaintalkinguk at hotmail dot com. The first, the uh, first question that we asked was, uh, or which we're asking is, uh, what date was the first official display of the Red Arrows? Yes. And the second question was, what date was the first flight of the Lockheed L ten eleven TriStar? Now, I'm going to put these on uh, Facebook. They're on our Facebook page. If you look on there, you can see uh, the questions on there. I'll also put them on Twitter as well, so you can look at them on there. Um, but we've got some brilliant T-shirts uh, to give away as prizes and some calendars as well. So we'll draw those on our Christmas podcast, which will be in a few weeks' time, yes. just before Christmas. Yep, yep. So we're here then for episode number 40. And uh, it's the 4th of December. Yes. Uh, so we're ever ever getting close to Christmas. And it's uh, just coming up towards quarter, of, uh, quarter to six in the evening. Yes. So it's pitch black outside, Simon. Yes, yes. It gets dark. It must be about half past two, three o'clock in the <laughs> so afternoon. I left off work at two o'clock today mm. and uh, we... Uh, we It was dark when I, when, I, when I left off. Absolutely dark. Pitch black, near enough. Uh, it's not very good. 
Yes, and uh, I must admit, um, the weather is sort of cooling down and everything, and uh, it is um, really. It hasn't really got that properly light today, has it? No, not at all. No, it's been pretty, uh, pretty groggy day, really. Hasn't yes, it? yeah. So, Simon, I was going to ask you before uh, I forgot to ask you before we start the show. Did you see that um, we've covered it in our in the last episode when Matt was um, was taking your place <coughs> for the episode? The uh, TU one three four being pushed off the uh, pushed onto the runway in the snow yes, in the ice yes. in Russia. Yes, I did yes. see that. Yes, what a, what a fantastic video that was. Watching yes, all those passengers pushing the uh, pushing that aircraft. Yeah, back onto I wonder the if you'd get away with that at Heathrow. I very I, much doubt it. Do you? No, no, I don't. Think. <laughs> with all the jet um, jet aviation fuel and all the danger and health and safety that we have in place in this yeah. country and uh, a lot of other places like uh, America and all the um, sort of security measures that are held in place at most airports. I don't think you get um, away with it there. What about if you wore a fluorescent jacket? Mm. Mm. High-vis, high-vis jacket? No, no, I don't really know. Because um, it has been known on aircraft carriers to get um, persons sucked into the jets' uh, engines. I know perhaps these ones weren't running. I don't but think, no, they weren't running. If you got offered those, Simon, if you're on, a, if you're on, a, <coughs> on your uh, on your plane ready to fly off to, uh, let's say, Ibiza. And, no, uh, let's say Mammoth Mountain, California. Okay, we'll say we'll say Mammoth Mountain, California. You're on your um, your your US jet. We'll say uh, we won't say any airlines. We won't uh, be biased, but we, you're, you're flying to the US to Mammoth Mountain, and the uh, captain come over the tunnel and said, uh, "We need a push. Would you uh, Would you offer to get down and uh, to push the aircraft? Uh, um, if it was um, if we could do that, but normally there's tugs about uh, wherever you are or something. But what yeah. if the tugs weren't working and you had that that chance to go down there? Oh, and... I, I don't think that you'd get away with that in America, so I'm going to say no. I'd love, as much as I'd love to do it, um, you'd need a lot of people. But given the chance, you would? Well, I don't, not really, no, because it's not a safe thing to do, really, is it? No, I would. Especially if it's a TriStar, anyway. Right, so we're going to start off the show then, as we always do each week, with a rundown of uh, some of the news that's been happening around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Simon, yeah, let's go. So kicking off this week's first piece of news then uh, on the Buying Business Travel site. And we love a good code share on this uh, podcast, as you know. And Flybee have signed a code share deal with Cathay Pacific. So regional airline Flybee has secured a code share agreement with Hong Kong-based carrier Cathay Pacific, enabling passengers to travel from their local airport to Hong Kong via Manchester Airport on a single ticket. Starting on December the 8th, which is four days' time. Four days' time, yeah. Flybee passengers using Aberdeen, Belfast, uh, Edinburgh, Exeter, Inverness, Isle of Man or Southampton airports will be able to use the single ticket through Manchester onto Cathay Pacific's new four-times-a-week service to Hong Kong. Paul Simmons, Flybee's chief commercial officer, said, Our new co-chair agreement with Cathay Pacific is another exciting development for the new Flybee. We are now giving customers in the UK uh, regions access to Hong Kong through Manchester Airport and relieving uh, relieving them uh, of the need to undertake long road or rail journeys to the UK's congested southeast hub airports. This new one-stop China service uh, reinforces our commitment to provide one-stop to the world connections for you customers in the UK regions, he said. The deal build, uh, builds on Flybee's current portfolio of existing co-chair partnerships with Aer Lingus, Air France, British Airways, Etihad, Finnair and KLM, along with 17 interline partners that includes Emirates, Virgin, Atlantic, Delta, Air Portugal and Qatar Airways. <coughs> so that's a good one. Another co-chair agreement then there, Simon, yes. with two, uh, two, well, two fairly big airlines. Definitely um, Cathay Pacific, yeah, they're a huge airline. Swap the uh, codes around for um, um, different airlines. That makes it easier. And they get um, the slots, which they can use. If any of the airlines are in that code-share, um, similar to Star Alliance, any sort of airline can put their um, their flight number in, so it's pretty good. And then we love the Flybee's new paint job as well. We, we had yes. that on a few episodes back, yes. didn't we? Yes, they've got it on their ATR-72s as well, and mm. uh, one or two of their other um, sort of aircraft, so yeah. Would you call that like a lilac? Was it purple, lilac? Uh, sort of sort colour of, Yeah, lilac uh, colour. Mm, that's good, that's good. 
So next piece of news then, Travel Weekly, this one. And um, this is uh, something that uh, I haven't seen yet, but hopefully we'll see uh, next year. This is Etihad Airways uh, reveals new livery uh, that's been unveiled on model aircraft positioned on a roundabout on the entrance to Heathrow's Terminal 4. The roundabout is home to three large models of the Boeing 787 Dreamliner, the first life-size version of which Etihad Airways will take delivery of this month. The models on the roundabout, which opened early this year, were removed to be repainted in the airline's new livery and have now returned to their home at the entrance to terminal of the UEA airline users at the airport at Heathrow. So we've got the pictures on in front of us there, Simon, of uh, this roundabout uh, at Heathrow um, at Terminal 4. What do you think of that, Simon? That's yeah, uh, quite yes, stunning. Yes, and uh, I was talking to David Harris about these, um, who I'll be mentioning quite a lot. Um, this uh, livery is one of my favourite liveries of all time, I think. Um, uh, Etihad um, new livery. Um, seeing some of this on their um, Dreamliners and everything, and uh, the uh, A380s. Um, but um, we were saying that we, we must not forget the uh, Concorde uh, one that they used to have, which yeah. was such a shame to be yeah. removed. Um, I always used to enjoy that um, every time I approached the uh, airport terminal. Um, you've most probably seen that many a times, yeah. and uh, that's been replaced by the A380. Yes, it has. We've seen that one. Yeah, yes. we've seen that one. So, these um, these models, Simon, um, at night time as well, they're actually lit up inside. Oh, that's really good, isn't which it? Which is good. So at yeah. night you can see that each of the windows are lit up in the cabin to, yeah. to look And like, obviously you've got all the floodlights, which you can see mm. on the uh, roundabout here. It's really nice. But it's pretty awesome, though, these these models, though. I'd, I would I'd love to have one of these if I had a garden big enough. Yeah. Well, you have. You've got a garden big enough. <laughs> I don't think the uh, wife would like that too much, though. So moving on then, CH Aviation site, this one. Virgin Atlantic are firmed up an <coughs> option for one more 787-9. Uh, Virgin Atlantic at uh, London Heathrow has firmed up one of its five options available uh, as per its 2007 order with Boeing. The order reflected under the U.S. manufacturer's latest production figures. With this development, Virgin has a total of 17 Boeing 787-9s on order, with four options outstanding. Only one uh, uh, 787-9 registration Golf uh, Victor November Echo Whiskey, or GV New, uh, which is uh, MSN number 40956, has so far been delivered and is currently in use on flights from London Heathrow to Boston. Another one we covered as well, this is some, but they've, uh, they're now going to hopefully get another uh, delivery of a Dash 9 soon. Yes. Um, hopefully so. No, be... I'll keep in touch with uh, David Harris as always, and he's going to give us an update on this. Um, this is pretty good. Um, well, David will probably see it before we do. Yes, he, mm. um, he's uh, got all the information of all the sort of uh, reg numbers of all the aircraft and all the movements uh, worldwide, and um, he's such a encyclopedia for aircraft movements retirements new arrivals everything mm. um and he even knows most of the routes that most of the aircraft in the world fly so it's pretty good i um, tell you i do i do this is still one of my favorite um liveries the paint job on the uh, virgin aircraft is, i is, think that red is is stunning the yeah. red they have on the yeah, uh, engine is, cowlings nice. on the tail it is such a and nice i would imagine it matches similar sort of uh, colorings inside as well yes so um yeah Moving on then, KSN.com site, and uh, this is something we talked about earlier on in the year. Boeing have finalised uh, an order with Ryanair. Uh, Boeing and Ryanair have finalised the order uh, for 100 737 MAX 200s, valued at uh, $11 billion at current list prices. The order originally announced as a commitment in September, which is when we talked about this last, actually, uh, Simon, includes options for 100 additional 737 MAX 200 airplanes and makes the low-cost Irish carrier the launch customer for the newest member of the 737 MAX family of airplanes. Ryanair is proud and honoured to become the lead operator of Boeing's Game Changer 737 MAX 200 aircraft, which will expand the fleet to approximately 520 aircraft by 2024, Simon. Wow. And create another 10,000 new jobs for pilots and cabin crew and engineers in Europe, while allowing uh, the airline to grow with traffic to uh, from 82 million passengers, which it took last year. To over 150 million by 2024, said Ryanair CEO Michael O'Leary. 
The new game changer aircraft will allow Ryanair to lower costs and airfares while improving customer experience with more legroom and the Boeing Sky interior as well as they roll out new offers uh, to be included for flights as well, which they had this year included the Business Plus uh, tickets and the family uh, tickets as well, the family extra tickets. As many of Europe's flag carriers cut capacity on short-haul flights and routes, Ryanair is looking forward to using these new 737-200 MAX aircraft to grow at many more of Europe's primary airports, said O'Leary. The 737 MAX 200 is a variant based on the successful 737 MAX 8 and can accommodate 200 seats, increasing revenue potential and providing customers up to 20% better fuel efficiency per seat than today's most efficient single-aisle aeroplanes. Now, I was reading something online earlier before I came over here, Simon, uh, which was quite interesting, that um, uh, one of the uh, heads of uh, Ryanair, not uh, Mr. O'Leary, but one of the other guys in charge, was talking about the transatlantic routes, which we've, we've spoken about before, and also Ryanair offering free Wi-Fi on their aircraft. Yes, that's a, a good idea. We like the uh, Wi-Fi, yeah, which is... Uh another way forward for most airlines and trying to get um, uh, sort of people to use, uh, being allowed to use, I should say, allowed to use their phones uh, on the network um, as they're flying. So, uh, But he spoke about free Wi-Fi, Simon. Yeah. Free. No money. Gosh, that's so good. So Flight Global, next one, and Airbus to take back three four A340s as Finnair firms more A350s. The more A340s going then, Simon. Poor things. Finnair has converted options on eight more Airbus A350s to firm orders with deliveries of the jets to begin in 2018. The agreement raises the uh, number to 19 of the A350s due to the one, uh, One World carrier. Finnair says it's intending to withdraw its Airbus A340s, of which it has seven by the end of 2017, as the A350 enters the fleet. As part of the agreement, it says that Airbus uh, agreed to acquire four of its A340-300s in 2016 and 17. Finnair was one of the first operators to order the A350, initially agreeing to take the type in 2006. All A350s are available with only with the Rolls-Royce Trent XWB engines. Chief Executive Pekka Varamo says the A350 will, is, will be essential to its long-haul development strategy and firming the options demonstrates our commitment to growth. He adds that the A340 swap with Airbus ensures a smooth transition between the old and new aircraft, mitigating potential business uh, continuity risks related to fleet renewals. Under its long-haul modernisation programme, Finnair will take its first four A350s in the second half of next year, and another seven will be delivered over 2016 and 17, with the remaining eight arriving in 2018 through to 2023. Finnair also uses eight A330s for long-haul operations, and the carrier, which has arranged sales and leaseback of uh, four A330s and two A350s, says... It's evaluating various financial options for other A350 deliveries. So some more A340s being got rid of, Simon. Yes, yep. Uh, it um, seems like they're phasing out quite a lot of them. I think people, um, uh, most airlines are going for the, the most uh, fuel-efficient um, aircraft, and mm. a lot of these older um, models, which have been running for a few years, um, aren't so um, cost-effective as these uh, new fuel-efficient aircraft. So I think that's why they're... Um, uh, there's a lot of swapping around and uh, upgrading aircraft in the present time. Have you been on the 340, Simon? Yes, I have. Oh, right. Yes. With uh, Virgin? Yes. Uh-huh. And it's the uh, stretch version. The 600. The, the 600. Oh, yeah. A lovely aircraft. Mm. Lovely. Um, flew uh, London Heathrow to LAX and uh, returned home. I went on, um, what was it? Um, I'm just trying to think of the name of the one. I think it was... Um, was it Scarlet Lady? I don't know. I'm just trying to think. My mind's gone blank. Um, but anyway, um, all the Virgin Atlantics and most airlines, they do have names for their aircraft. So, mm. um, But the 340 was a good aircraft yes, to uh, fly on? Yes. I know uh, one of the aircraft now. It's Surfer Girl, so mm. really good. Plenty of room? Yes, plenty mm. of room. Mm. Um, we had uh, sort of reasonable... I think we had... Yeah, we did. We had premium economy, so paid about £20 each way extra. So mm. I thought it was a good deal. Oh, good. I persuaded them to give us some money off, so it worked <laughs> out well. Um, 
And it's always nice to go in uh, the executive lounge as well before takeoff. So uh, had that, and the children were allowed in there as well. So we really enjoyed yeah. that. So can't beat that. Definitely with Virgin as well. I'll, well, yeah. I was I actually uh, uh, use um, one or two others. Uh, Service Air Lounge. I use them, and uh, one or two that I can't remember. And I ha- also have a, a card, priority card, priority pass. It's called, uh, which lets you in for free and complimentary drinks and food which uh, mm. you know about don't you yes yes and it takes good. all the hassle away from being thing and you have a superb view of all the runways mm. um at heathrow so and um i always do that at most uh, major airports i've done it norwich is not a major airport but i've done it at norwich um also lax uh, san francisco lovely airports and they're pretty uh lean on how much you can have to drink because people don't go mad or greedy but yeah. um there's plenty of stuff there, and you've got your free Wi-Fi, your screens, your TV, and then obviously your flight uh, departure uh, times board. And they give you a, sometimes in America, they get a pager, and they'll give that with you, or they'll call you um, when your flight is ready to board. So I think it's enjoyable. And, and you, you didn't have to wear a shirt and tie to get in? No, no. But I always wear, um, I always dress smartly and wear a mm. shirt and tie and a suit every time I travel, and sometimes get upgrades for yes. free. Yes. That is good. That is good. But don't tell everybody. No, no. Keep that one quiet. <clears throat> Flight Global and uh, for our next story, and uh, Qatar uh, fixes the date for the first A350 delivery. Now, this is happening in a few weeks' time, and Qatar Airways are taking the delivery of their first A350-900 in Toulouse on December the 13th, uh, about a month before it enters service on the Doha to Frankfurt route. The Rolls-Royce Trent XWB-powered aircraft is the first of 43 of the type ordered by the Middle Eastern carrier. Qatar Airways has, all, uh, has also uh, 37 A350-1000s on order. Chief Executive Akbar Al-Baker says the arrival of the new generation of aircraft type represent a moment of great symbolic national pride for the state of Qatar. I know its delivery will be met with excitement at its new home at Hamad International Airport, which was built uh, for advanced aircraft types such as this. Qatar Airways' reservation system indicates that the aircraft will be deployed to Frankfurt on the 15th of January 2015. Now, we missed this at uh, Farnborough, didn't we, the 350 this year? Yes, uh, they had um, actually uh, departed before yeah. we arrived, so that, that was a shame. But uh, we see the mock-up. Uh, flight deck of the 350 um, managed to get an interview with a chap there on the flight deck of the uh, the mock-up flight deck with all the screens and stuff in the 350 but uh, uh, seeing this online the pictures online yeah, really good good looking aircraft Simon definitely yeah so the last story then this week uh, flight global again and um, this one is quite a new one this has happened just this week a319 <coughs> pilots land in short after failing to sight runway Pilots of a Winjet Airbus A319 landed far short at Palermo after deciding to continue a non-precision approach at night in poor weather despite failing to sight the runway. Italian investigation authority ANSV has determined that the pilots demonstrated a poor attitude towards crew resource management and failed to maintain a sterile cockpit during the descent or carry out proper approach briefings. The aircraft landed 367 metres, which is 1,200 feet, short of the runway 07 threshold and skidded for about 850 metres, suffering such extensive damage that the twin jet was written off. ANSV says that uh, there was deliberate disregard for procedures at one point of reaching the minimum descent altitude when the crew is supposed to confirm sighting of the runway and execute a go-around if it's not clearly visible. The aircraft crossed the minimum altitude of 710 feet and the captain urged a first officer who was flying to continue the approach uh, despite being unable to confirm the runway sighting. ANSV says the first officer subsequently identified the runway at 480 feet and the captain took control of the aircraft, but at 240 feet the first officer exclaimed that he saw four red, a reference to the precision approach path indicator lamps which showed the A319 was far below the correct glide path. The inquiry says uh, that the adverse weather and darkness combined with descent over water created a black hole illusion, which led the pilot to believe the aircraft was high on the approach. 
This caused him to abandon the ideal descent profile and steepen the approach sharply. The A319 crossed over the airport's terminal VOR beacon at a height of 92 feet, less than half the 200 feet expected for a normal glide. Although the aircraft sustained heavy damage during the ground impact and slide, there were no fatalities or even serious injuries among the 129 occupants. 34 passengers and a crew member suffered minor injuries in the uh, event that happened. Uh, it was actually happened a few years ago now, but it's the report has just been released for this particular event. But uh, landing at night, I mean, that's something I wouldn't even want to attempt now. And learning to fly. Um, but that is something that uh, yes. you can learn when you're when you're learning to fly. But yes, you will have to do that uh, at one point. No, I don't. No, you don't. No, no I, I can just stick to daytime flights for uh, yeah. for my lessons. So that's, yeah. it's that's okay good. on clear nights. Um, I'd be okay with that. I don't uh, think I want to fly at night anyway. I'll stick to flying during the day. Yeah, you got fog, wind, crosswinds, sidewinds, <laughs> headwinds, tailwinds. Oh, I have plenty of those. Oh, yeah, definitely have plenty of those. So that's the last story then for the news segment this week. We're going to leave it there. And uh, we're going to come back to you after this. Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www.plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you. So with his military aviation news and uh, news from uh, the military side of things from around the UK and world, I'm going to hand you over to Simon, if you're ready, Simon. Yep. Right, let's go. So with his military aviation news then, I'll hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much, Carlos. Um, got just a few uh, small news pieces this week. Um, we'll also uh, cover the, um, I don't know if you've covered it yet, and the past ones, uh, REAT tickets are on sale yeah. now at a reduced price. We've done um, that turn the last last week's one, yeah? Yeah, did, yeah. and uh, I will say it again, they're on uh, special reduced price admission until the end of January, I believe that's correct, isn't it? Mm. Um, so hopefully um, I'll be getting mine in the new year. Um, so um, there's one or two air shows that I've started to pop out for 2015. Um, so it's always good. Um, be going hopefully uh, to meet up with David Harris a few times uh, to see these. Uh, excuse my husky voice. I've got a bit of a sore throat. Um, hopefully this cold weather will clear it up. Uh, right, the first bit of news is um, to do with the Royal Navy. Um, they've got our actual uh, UAV squadron now, and uh, although the uh, UK does have quite a few uh, UAVs, um, this um, one is um, a deployment uh, with the Boeing uh, Scan Eagle Unmanned Aircraft Vehicle, a UAV. The 700 Experimental uh, 700X Naval Air Squadron based at RAF, um Royal Navy Air Force uh, Coltrose in Cornwall, UK, will be used for the Scan Eagle operations as well as testing the evaluation of future UAVs that the service operates. Scan Eagle has been operating from the HMS Somerset, HMS Northumberland frigates, as well as the Royal Fleet Auxiliary Cardigan Bay for some 12 months, has now been flying HMS Kent frigate as well, which has just deployed to the Arabian Sea to conduct counter piracy missions, the Navy says. Uh, so this um, aircraft, um, before I go on, is actually pretty good because they can uh, land and take this off on uh, aircraft carriers and stow it away quite easily. And uh, also, um, with all the pirates that are about in um, uh, the Arabian Sea and surrounding areas, they can be monitored um, and the... Uh, with this uh, UAV and all the uh, images sent back to the aircraft carrier and then they can scramble any um, aircraft or helicopters that need be to take these um, guys out and also they 
um, do have two or three boats which they use um, to capture the people and uh, arrest them or fire shots at them because they are a pest and uh, they uh, do sort of hijack uh, numerous uh, boats and uh, do kill people. So uh, it's a good thing that have these. Um, the UAV is provided to the Navy services based akin on the uh, in situ arrangement with the U.S. Navy, it was uh, contracted for thirty million, forty-seven million in June two thousand and thirteen, under a two-year urgent operational requirement, under the two, under which two tasks lines were provided. The contract is due to come to an end in twenty fifteen, and is believed that an extension is under discussion. <coughs> Excuse me. Now I was just looking at the uh, specs for this this um, this the Scan Eagle. And um, it's got a it's got a one engine, and it's a two-stroke engine, producing one point five horsepower. Yeah, so you, I would imagine uh, you've got a similar engine on this um, to a small uh, microlight or mm. um, a lawnmower engine. Very very um, small engine. The uh, launching uh, thing. Um, looks but rather peculiar. It looks like a catapult. Doesn't it does. It? Yeah, it's like a catapult. And. Um, it, uh, it's got um, the winglets on the, or I should say winglets or sharklets on the side, yeah. and uh, the actual prop, prop uh, uh, is on the rear of the uh, aircraft, um, which looks uh, it looks quite a nice little aircraft. But, but for um, one and a half horsepower, Simon, it does 92 miles an hour. And it, it has an endurance of, check this out, endurance of 24 hours plus. Wow. Um, of flight, and it can climb <coughs> to 19,500 feet. If needed, that's pretty good, and um, no one would ever know what it was about um, because that'd be uh, high, and it's quite small, isn't it, mm, um, compared yeah. to a normal aircraft, and uh, um, which makes it um, just that much better and uh, uh, more sort of safer, I should say, um, to use. Um, Packed with a high-resolution day and night camera, yeah, including thermal imaging. Yes, so it can pick out any mm. uh, um, nighttime operations. Uh, um, may affect um, sort of uh, human beings and uh, all these pirates can, can be monitored. Right, the next piece of news, the Sikorsky CH-53K first flight pushed at, um, at earliest to March. The US Marine Corps said it will wait until at least March for its new heavy lift helicopter. The, Sikor- the Sikorsky CH-53K King Stallion uh, to make its maiden, f- maiden flight. Originally planned for the summer of 2014, the King Stallion first flight was pushed to the end of the year, which a, a crack was found in one of the rear, uh, one of the four uh, gearboxes at the ground um, of a ground test uh, article. US Navy uh, Air Systems Command now says the aircraft will enter flight testing sometime between March and May next year. Um, obviously, uh, safety is uh, paramount, and uh, they're not going to take any chances with this. That's why they've pushed it back, and uh, most probably looking into the uh, problems that they've got with this uh, crack. Um, so the first flight was uh, driven by the current ground test vehicle, GTV Test Events, says uh, Kelly uh, Burdick, um, spokesman for the Navy's Program Executive Officer for Aviation. I'm gradually losing my voice. The GTV <laughs> is currently undergoing power ground tests to measure the ver- and verify the ability to dr- of the drive system. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, bless you. I hope to, <laughs> I hope to last out. <coughs> um, Excuse me. <coughs> oh dear. <laughs> Do you want me to take this one? Simon? Yeah, you take this one. So uh, a Shikorsky spokesman uh, says that the static ground test article has undergone nearly 200 hours of testing, including subjecting the airframe to 115% of its maximum load. Shikorsky has also completed vibration tests and the ultimate load uh, testing conditions, uh, which mean the main rotors are overloaded by 150% compared to design loads. The United States Marine Corps has plans to buy 200 King Stallions to replace its entire fleet of smaller CH-53E Super Stallions. The CH-53K's structural integrity was officially cleared for flight in April, then rolled out during the 5th of May ceremony at Shikorsky's West Palm Beach, Florida manufacturing facility. Now, just looking on that line, at, um, the details are around this uh, aircraft, and uh, it's quite a stunning-looking helicopter to look at, and uh, has a unit cost, because we always like to come up with some prices on this one. 
Uh, it'll set you back, Simon, if you want to, uh, to uh, buy one of these. About $115 million. Wow, that's um, a lot of money. So, so <clears throat> fairly cheap, that one. Uh, and the primary user, as Simon said, was going to be the United States Marine Corps. And uh, it's classed as a heavy lift cargo helicopter. So pretty uh, pretty big. It's a pretty big thing, this thing. So uh, do you want me to take the next one, Simon? Do you um, want to give, you, give your voice a rest? Yeah, give, a, give it a little bit of a rest. <clears throat> next one then uh, on Flight Global, and this one is regarding the KC-46. Uh, Boeing fixes uh, the KC-46 wiring issues set for first flight in spring 2015. So the first prototype of Boeing's KC-46 uh, aerial refueling tanker has been rewired or rewired to meet U.S. Air Force standards and is being prepared for its first flight sometime in late spring of 2015. The company's chief operating officer says we're doing the final prep for first flight on tanker. Dennis Muhlenberg, Boeing's president and CEO, says on the 3rd of December that the Credit Suisse Global Industrials Conference in Chicago, we are feeling very good about where the program is now at. And we've got some of those technical issues behind us now. We'll be focusing on executing the final test program under development and then getting the program into production. Boeing earlier this year uh, alerted the Air Force uh, to anomalies in the aircraft's wiring, which is required to be triple redundant to meet military uh, and U.S. Federal Aviation Administration specifications. The company launched a wiring order that found about 5% of the aircraft's 98,000 wiring bundles were installed too close to redundant counterparts. The first four engineering and manufacturing development aircraft had to be rewired before they could roll off the production line. Those have now been resolved and closed out, he says. The aeroplane is done. We have completed the factory functional tests and the aeroplane has now rolled out of the factory. The aircraft is derived from Boeing's 767 commercial uh, jetliner and is powered by Pratt & Whitney's, uh, two of them, a PW4062 turbofan. The, in addition to serving as an aerial refueling tanker, the KC-46As can be configured uh, to accommodate cargo or up to 114 passengers, or to serve as an aeromedical evacuation aircraft. The first test aircraft has been fueled in preparation for flight testing and is on the flight line, Muhlenberg says. The first tanker flights are scheduled for the second quarter of 2015 and the Air Force is expected to make a milestone C decision to enter low-rate initial production within the following three months. Boeing is then on the hook to deliver the first 18 operational tankers by 2017. We're very confident that we will hit the mark in all three, he says. The provisional test 767-2C, a freighter variant of the aircraft, and the first EMD KC-46 are scheduled to fly in the second quarter of the calendar year of 2015. That is a change from September when Marge Jen, John Thompson, the Air Force's KC-46 program manager, said that the flight would take place before the end of March. Just looking at the KC-46, um, which is designated Pegasus, and uh, as we said, it's an air-to-air -air refueling tanker, strategic airlift aircraft, and uh, the unit has, has a unit cost of 250 million US dollars, Simon. That's wow. A, that's a lot. That is a lot uh, of money, isn't it? A lot it? of money, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. That's a huge amount of money. But uh, no, it is, as we said, it's derived from the Boeing 767. Um, so if you saw one of these, it looks like a 767 with no windows in grey. Um, so the primary user of these aircraft are going to be the United States Air Force. So uh, good luck to them yeah, with that. Because um, uh, they're using a lot of the, uh, um, at the present time, they're still using the um, KC-135s. Mm. And also um, the DC-10s, the KC-10s. Mm. Um, these are starting to get old. And um, I was probably looking for a, a replacement sort of uh, um, for these. So, yeah. So last piece of uh, military <clears throat> news then. Uh, Sam is nearly recovered. He'll, uh, he's got some bits, some bits of news to bring to at the end, so that's good. Uh, on the Royal Air Force's website, and uh, this is quite a new piece of news that came on this week, and uh, a new radar fully operational facility has uh, opened at RAF Wittering. 
Preparations for full-time flying at Royal Air Force Wittering continues as the station's new radar was de- declared fully operational on Tuesday the 2nd of December, just a couple of days ago. Um, air traffic controllers at Wittering were given the all-clear by the Royal Air Force's standards and evaluation team from RAF Shawbury to control aircraft movements within visual range of the airfield. On Tuesday the 2nd of December, after weeks of testing and calibration, engineers signed off the new Watchman radar and handed the equipment into the permanent care of the station's ground radio maintenance section. The new radar gives RAF Wittering controllers the ability to safely control aircraft far beyond the station's visual circuit and is a milestone in RAF Wittering's preparation for the arrival of flying squadrons early next year. The Stanevil team scrutinised the training and safety processes used to give the controllers hands-on experience of the local airspace and radar control from, uh, before awarding Terminal Control Zone uh, endorsements to four of the controllers on 17th of November. Warrant Officer Simon Sherwin said the air traffic uh, management is more than just equipment. Safety is always the forefront of what we do and the four of us have, provide, have to provide uh, Stan Evil to the knowledge that we experience uh, with the safety and management of aircraft in our airspace. Controllers in the tower generally manage aircraft within visual uh, airfield circuits but their colleagues in the radar room control aircraft many miles beyond and can provide a service to pilots in poor weather or when the ground or other aircraft can't be seen. The radar was assembled uh, by the Royal Air Force's 90 Signals Unit based at RAF Leeming whilst construction uh, firm Morgan Sindel under contract to Babcock Dincourt built the radar tower. Group Captain Alexander continued the RAF personnel, their civilian counterparts and contractors have all worked very hard to bring us to this stage. It's a genuine step forward for the station and one that increases our contribution to defence. That's good news in science. Yes, um, I don't know. Most probably some of our listeners can remember the uh, RAF uh, Nidashead, um, which is uh, up uh, sort of in Norfolk. Um, and that is uh, now a museum. Uh, it's got a lot of the old... Uh, cultural um, uh, memorabilia in and uh, things from the station at RAF Cult. Um, and that used to be a massive radar station uh, there. Um, and that was closed after the Cold War sort of disappeared. Um, but we uh, at the moment, we have uh, quite a lot of intrusion from the uh, Russian aircraft, don't we? <laughs> the Big Bears yeah. and uh, one or two other uh, military aircraft. They're just uh, testing, uh, I think, how far they can get and just uh, trying to... Um, poke fun at the uh how uh, quickly we scramble the typhoons um but all the typhoons are on actually 24 hour standby 365 days of the year so um and i know um it seems as i was quieting down there was one uh, a few days ago but um that's now passed so uh hopefully uh They'll uh, get the message, but I know what the Russians are like, and so do you. And hmm. They just like to keep uh, playing cat and mouse. Well, so. they, they like their passengers to push their aircraft yes, to, to get them started. And um, a lot of their <laughs> aircraft, uh, most of the listeners uh, will sort of uh, know this, um, seem to have a sort of a, a copycat style of a lot of um, mm. American Western aircraft yeah, and yeah. Uh, British aircraft uh, designs. Um but their military aircraft, as we've talked about before, <clears throat> Simon, are built like flying tanks. Aren't they, they are. They are very strong aircraft. They've got some uh, mm. real big uh, beasts. So you've got some uh, other news for us, haven't you, Simon? You've yes, got a couple of a couple of bits of interesting news. Yes, um, the first bit of news is about. Um, no, uh, I didn't know about this. No, no you didn't. No, no, no. Um, there's been uh, a lot of talk of this, and uh, I've mentioned it in previous podcasts about the Aurora uh, from the Green Lake. Um, yeah, the secret base in uh, Nevada, um, uh, which a lot of the po- um, the test people actually fly from McCarran Air Force Base in um, uh, Las Vegas um, on the Janet aircraft, which are the white uh, 737-500s at the moment they're using uh, to commute the um, workers uh, from McCarran up to Green Lake. And it's not that um, long a flight anyway. It's up and then it's down, so... I think it's about 20 minute to half an hour flight, maybe a bit longer. Uh, don't quote me on the times. Um, so yeah, um, they design lots of secret stuff up there, aircraft. And uh, this new Aurora has been uh, talked about for many years since its uh, first report ports in 1989. And um, it did have, used to have the F117A 
um, stealth aircraft, which was flying. But now we've got the uh, SR-72, and uh, most people can remember the SR-71A Blackbird, um, where there's one at Duxford and the only one outside the um, America. But um, there's been so many loud explosions and sonic booms. Now, we did uh, just listen a little while ago, didn't we, to the uh, noise and the bang. It sounds like fireworks, but and then if you listen to it a bit more, I think it, it's an aircraft going through the sand barrier constantly, um, and it's such a fast aircraft. Um, but all over the world, as far um, in the southern hemisphere as well, we've got reports of uh, loud sonic booms and uh, explosions and um, they've been in America, New York. Um, so was, you've got sounds report of the weekend from Aberdeen um, to Devon. Um, you've got so many places and uh, said it's uh, created by a type of experimental gel called a pulse detonation engine. Uh, no, I don't know nothing about an engine like um, And within minutes, Twitter had started uh, spreading hashtags and the <laughs> straightforward loud bangs are somewhat... Um, m- melodramatic, um, but at the same time, residents in uh, location in Buffalo, uh, Cheekwin, uh, Wagga, um, they've just been Niagara Falls, all of the East Coast, they've just been everywhere. So, um, if you do go online, uh, there are some sort of uh, sonic boom noises that you can listen to, make your own mind up about them. Uh, what do you think? I was just reading the report online, Simon, that says here that um, about these bangs that were heard on the 1st of December uh, in Bedfordshire, uh, Glasgow, North Devon, Le- Leicestershire, West Sussex. And it says here that in the report that the bangs lasted uh, between 20 and 30 minutes, these bangs. And as Simon said, they sounded um, very much like fireworks going off. Yeah, that's what you sort of uh, said to me a little while ago. Mm. But um, if you remember when... Uh Around the time, uh, I don't know if you remember, um, I can remember the time they were reporting uh, these uh, aircraft, it's like the F-117A, and they told, said to everybody that didn't exist, and the SR-71A and the U-2 spy planes. And then um, they get introduced to air shows uh, from previous years, like I uh, used to have the RAF Mildenhall Air Fate, uh, which was one of my all-time favourite air shows of all time, and still is. And... Uh, um, they've introduced uh, the B2 plane there. Um, the last one there, I think, was about 1999, if I'm correct. Um, David Harris will quote me on that one. Um, and then obviously had 9-11. But um, then you've had the SR-71A before that and the F-117A, which I've seen at Riyadh as well. Um, it's an impressive aircraft, and I've seen that flying uh, with the... Uh, uh, Red Arrows, and uh, that was an English pilot flying the uh, F-117A. So, right, the last piece of news, um, the Red Arrows have donned their red suits. Um, they don't normally put these on um, until they've passed their um, wings for the 2015 season. But having said that, this is to do with um, all the pilots um, being in their red suits, ready for um, their sort of charity, um, annual charity thing they always do. It's a great Ormond Street Christmas uh, um, visit. And uh, here, um, if you go on their webpage, the Red Arrows, uh, the pilots together with the support of staff and engineers pause training for the 2015 season today to take part in the annual ICAP charity day in London where uh, the honor, they had the honour to meeting Prince Harry, HRH. So... Uh, and that is an annual thing they do. Um, and uh, so uh, they take uh, uh, all their uh, knowledge and all their um, books and posters and they get them all signed up uh, for the guys and the people who aren't very well and all the children. So it's always a nice, uh, nice of them to go um, down there and uh, see it all. So, yeah. So... Um, that is a, a momentous occasion to cheer up all these sick children at Great Ormond Street. That's yeah, good. Very good charity. <clears throat> yes. And so, the, the, the kids must love it. Oh, they must. I bet, uh, you, I, I bet you wish you were there to see the Red yes, Arrows as well. Yes, I do. I do. I do. Um, they do such a great job. And uh, the training has been... Uh, um, we've had uh, quite a lot of training. We're up to six um, aircraft now in the formation, which is building up. Uh, we're not up to nine yet. Um, we've had... Uh, one slot aircraft, two slot displays, three, four, five, and six um, 
throughout the day. Obviously, with the time and the weather conditions now, time is um, sort of getting short and the weather has turned a little bit cooler and the wind has been up and down over the last mm. few days and we've got some stormy weather coming in. So I think we'll, in the next few days, few weeks, we'll be finished um, for this year for their practice. And, yeah. um, but they'll start again. Obviously, they're off to Cyprus in the new year. To warmer climbs. Yes, and to get um, guaranteed normally um, <laughs> 100% um, blue Sun. sunshine. But mm. um, last, or this year, they didn't uh, get that because um, we saw the documentary on that. And that was quite interesting about uh, how um, intense the training is. And then they've had days where it was raining in Cyprus. So, mm. yeah. So and there's one other thing. The Dubai, ultimate Dubai air shows and um, airports. Do you watch that on uh, Discovery? No, I haven't. I haven't. I'm not as uh, flush as you, Simon. I can't afford Sky. <laughs> it is absolutely brilliant. The um, last few weeks, been watching them retarmac um, one of the runways and how they shut it down. Mm. And uh, most of the um, people who organise this and uh, the guy who's in charge is from the UK, and is one of the uh, sort of engineers. And uh, you've got all these foreign uh, people working in ninety to hundred degree heat doing the uh, repairing the runways, well, completely digging the runway up. And um, you have one runway which is sterile and then the other runway which is out of use. Um, so it's quite into keeping one, ra- one runway open and the other ones. Perhaps I'll see if uh, I can find it on YouTube. That's yeah. probably on there. Oh, yeah. Simon, it's yeah. Uh, well you can impressive. find anything on there. And um, even the uh, CEO, he's uh, from the UK, who uh, actually sort of looks after the airport. Um, I didn't realise that they are greedy people. No offence to this, guys. <laughs> but the amount of aircraft, A380s, Dreamliners, I have never seen. It is it is the ultimate airport because I have Definitely. never, ever seen so many mm. aircraft. It is an amazing airport to fly to, Simon. I won't, uh, won't dispute that, definitely. Yeah, and uh, so... So we're going to bring episode 40, 40, Simon, 40, 40 episodes. May get to 100, may. We're going to bring episode 40 to a close in uh, this week of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Uh, Thanks for inviting me over, Simon. That's okay. Made a change to come across uh, a bit further east in the east coast of England to come see you. Yep. Uh, don't forget you can contact us uh, via our website, uh, allawws.plaintalkinguk.com, plain spelled P-L-A-N-E. You can follow us on Twitter as well. Don't forget Twitter, we're on there. You can follow us on. We've got loads of new followers, Simon. So many new followers on Twitter. It's brilliant. Yes, and we're getting them on uh, Facebook as well. I think we're up yep. to about 142, 143. Yeah, follow us on Facebook. Like yeah. us on there. Yeah, um, because I'm constantly posting uh, information on there about aircraft and uh, aircraft news so if you do need to uh, find out anything or if there's nothing you and there's something you want to ask us please email us or ask us a question definitely and we'll try and yeah. get back to you with the uh, correct answer so that's all we've got time for then for this episode thanks for joining us mm-hmm. um, listeners we love you all and uh, don't forget our competition you can find out details of that on our Facebook page uh, of how to enter the competition we're running all the details are on there. So, Simon, and uh, I'm going to get home now and have some tea. Yep. Some good old-fashioned English tea. Uh, so, from me, Carlos, it's a very chilly two degrees, Simon. Uh, goodbye. Is it really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and from you, Simon? Yeah, it's a, um, a winter goodbye and uh, wrap up warm and uh, stay warm. Yep, stay safe, people, and see you on the next episode. Goodbye. Bye.